calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome to I'm Listening. This is a Frasier fan podcast hosted by number one Frasier fan, me, Anita Flores. Each episode, I have a special guest, and today is no different. Today, we have writer and creator of the upcoming animated series, You're Not a Monster, Mr. Frank Lesser. Frank, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing uh, very well. Very well. You know what? I, colloquially, normally, I just casually say I'm, I'm good. Oh, you're but good. then I know, but some people are like, oh, I'm well. And then you're like, yeah, I know that, but that just sounds like weird. I mean, I think it's just a big lie anyway. I don't think anyone, I mean, I guess you're okay, but like everyone's got something going on. And yeah, you just have yeah. to be polite and say, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm okay. well. Okay is okay. I might try well. Yeah. Just because it yeah, sounds okay. Frasier-esque. Mm -hmm. He never says I'm okay. I'd be more honest. I'd just be like marginal. marginal. Sure. Um, so I, this is the first time that I, listeners, am seeing Mr. Frank, Le I'm stop calling you Mr. Frank Lesser, uh, Frank, because I met you, Frank, uh, because I interned at the Colbert Report nine years ago. Mm -hmm. So I have not seen you in nine years. Um, do you think that I have aged well? I think, I mean, I, I think you're very similar. Oh, that's good. Rich. Like, I don't that's feel good. like, I think, you know, in modern healthcare it's society. harder for women. Oh, really? Okay. You I've know, heard. you want to hear. It's like you're a man. You can just grow gray in your beard. And no, I could fine. imagine you like shadowing one of the writers at this moment, right? This might be what it is. Because at Colbert, at the Colbert Report, and I think at the Late Show as well, they let the intern shadow they different do. people. And it's always a really nice thing. And you had shadowed my wonderful office mate, Mike Brum. Yes. I'm still deeply hurt that you did not shadow me at the time. But I'm going to count this as like a shadowing experience. This is so a this shadowing is, yeah. experience. This is me shadowing you nine years later. Yeah. Um, but let me ask you, because you you see you've seen so many interns over your career, probably hundreds, maybe mm -hmm. thousands. <laughs> Would you say um, you could have predicted? Like, do you ever uh, even? I mean, there were so many people. There were like fifteen of us nine years ago. Did, would you ever see anyone and think, you know what? That kid's gonna do something special. Did you think, you know what? Anita's gonna do a podcast about Frasier. Yeah, I don't think years. I would have guessed that at the. I mean, maybe at the me time. <laughs> It is a very interesting thing. Well, I mean, I do think that there's a popularity of it all due to streaming. So I did That's not true. nine years ago predict <laughs> yeah. Netflix and the all the streaming of the sure. popular 
mid late '90s sitcoms would not have necessarily guessed Frasier, someone who was in college so at that point. Yeah, but it is, I think, an interesting show that does, um, you know, have a life beyond watching it at the time and that you know still really does hold up a lot so Thanks it's very interesting yeah exactly exactly and but it is still like a show that and it's also interesting because you watched it and i always as a when i was younger because i was i think i was watching it when i was in middle school and late high school mm-hmm. when it was originally airing but i just kind of thought oh this man is so old and so much you know more sophisticated mm-hmm. and like you know he's an adult and everything and now i think at this point i'm watching it and i still think that but i'm actually probably a year or two older than kelsey Grammer was when he was actually in fraser because when he started in cheers he was like in his late 20s yeah and it's he just weird. seemed much more mature and adult and that was also the character that was sort of being written there but no i would no i don't think i would, actually though if i mean maybe if people said of all the interns which one would someday <laughs> be hosting a Frasier podcast. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I mean, there's a, there, there is a podcast for everything. Um, but I thought, I, I wouldn't even ha- have this podcast if Frasier hadn't come back. Or hadn't, like, I was watching it when I was growing up. I watched it in syndication. But if it hadn't been for Netflix, I don't mm-hmm. think so. If Netflix wants to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> please do. Yeah. Or I think a live version of this show on Netflix. Ooh, Go for that. Set oh, your I sights higher. That. If you learn anything from me as uh, from your internship, it should be go for the ridiculous thing that might not happen. So then you'll always be disappointed in life. I that I mean I think that's a great motto. I think something I learned from shadowing both of you, I would say, uh, you and Mike, is the it's very stressful the the thought of you guys in a small room having to come up with ideas so quickly. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing that uh, I really admire about people that write in TV, especially for a show like The Colbert Report where you've got these very tight deadlines. And then also a lot of the stuff that you write gets like completely changed around at mm-hmm. some point in the day and just in this tiny room. Like I remember being in the room with you guys and just, you, you didn't seem that stressed. Uh. Or maybe you like the stress. <laughs> maybe that also, it's that's part of it is perhaps there's something thrilling about just knowing you have to I think a Hurry little up. bit. A lot of the writers and Colbert himself had a very heavy improv background. Oh, so nice. I think there was that sort of delightful, like, oh, you find something in the moment. Me, I have zero improv background. I find it stressful and horrifying. So there was definitely an adjustment period starting there where you then are plopped into something and, oh, it's this pitch. And, oh, they like this joke the last two times they read it, but now it feels a little old. And that was only all in one day. And you have to come up with something else. And it was a very good learning experience but the first three months of the show i don't think i could write emails to people because i was so like overstressed and and sort of writing everything um one thing before i forget that i was just thinking of when you were talking about oh would you would you have thought that i would have a fraser podcast again it's like no because that's a i would not have you know (laughs) know. expected it it's like a really interesting thing but then i was thinking like oh but if anyone who was a fan of any late night show of any sort was going to also have a fraser podcast i think it would be somebody who was either a fan of or had interned on the colbert rapport or even the late show i would say colbert is the fraser of late night shows and maybe that's not exactly true because you know if you look at the big top three 90s sitcoms that people still watch today it's primarily seinfeld um friends and frazier yes uh and those are and they all had varying different levels of how popular they were at their peak or anything Mm -hmm. um but I think Colbert is very, you know, it was a very intellectual show. I think Frasier was a very intellectual sitcom. 
uh, and still, you know, watching it today, you're like, oh, this is really funny. It would be interesting to see what it would have been like in a single cam, you know, if it had come out a little bit later or if it was, I don't think you really want to see the FX version of it or anything. But It'd be pretty dark, I think. But I yeah. could definitely see Stephen Colbert as a character being a really good arch nemesis for <laughs> Frasier. And separately, what I was going to say is uh, I remember the first guest uh, the, my first day at Colbert, which was Joe Biden, and then my last on my last day, or when I was, uh, you know, part of the internship was to like greet guests, and the last one was Amy Sedaris, uh, and I. Did you did you write on um, her new show? Yes, yeah, I, I worked on a bit of the first season, well, which was a lot of fun. Which is great because I um, I'm a big Amy Sedaris fan, but I also thought she would have been because uh, Frasier dates a lot of women over the course of the show. <laughs> And just a lot of um, actresses like that I didn't think about until I started rewatching it, like Allison Janney, Rosie Perez. I think that Amy Sedaris could have been a really good like blind date gone mm-hmm. wrong. Not that not because she, she I love her and she's charming, but Frasier definitely clashes with strong women. Right. Yeah. Well, that was the well. I mean, even going back to Diane, I would think. But I mean, oh, I, yeah. I think Lilith is the is the key big mm-hmm. one. And I think even mm-hmm. I was watching some of the early episodes where he was having sort of the workplace affair with the head of the right for Mercedes Costas. rule. Uh, and she was really, and she, and like, you're like, oh, it's funny. They, oh, she, he has a type, I would say. Yes. Well, one thing that I will say is Amy Sedaris is voicing a character on You're Not a Monster, I the saw. short form animated series coming out in October on imdb.com. We're going to talk we- <laughs> at great length about your show. I'm very mm-hmm. excited. But first, we have to get to the most important topic, which is Frasier. Yes. Because I would only ask somebody on here who I knew. And I, I, I had an inkling because I saw, I mean, I follow you on Twitter um, and I, I knew you had this show coming out, but I, I just found it, I, I just had a feeling that you had probably watched Frasier because, because I was so uh, blown away by like two of my favorite people uh, are voices on the show or, or like actors, comedians, you know, masters of their field, which uh, Kelsey Grammer as a, as a bat, I believe. Mm-hmm. And a partner in Arncella. Um, yeah, I found it uh, pretty hard to believe that if you had Kelsey Grammer on uh, your new show, that you, I figured you were probably a Frasier oh, fan. Oh, yes, definitely. So, uh, and so then I immediately thought I needed to contact you. Um, so I am curious, uh, what is your uh, history? Well, you said you watched Frasier in middle school. So is that when it started for you? Like, when did you start watching Frasier? Yeah, I would say, th- I think it was, it's the very first season. And I, I mean, so it came out, I think, in 93. I looked that up. So I would have been 13. So I think that would have been peak awkwardness. I think that was the year of my bar mitzvah. Oh, which, uh, it's awkward. I have never watched the video of that. Um, I know this isn't about me and my bar mitzvah, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> I'm going to move back to the Frasier thing. But um, but I was just, you know, you're you're in an awkward phase in your life, and I didn't really like sports or really, you know, I, you know, I was into movies. I was into f- mostly film and not mm-hmm. even as much television. I had never, I had watched little bits of Cheers before that, but I primarily watched uh, like after school Disney cartoons like uh-huh. Gummy Bears, DuckTales, sure. those types of things. I think I had watched some sitcoms and I think my mom was like, oh, I think you'll like this show. And, you know, I remember watching that with my mom and a little bit with my dad. He wasn't as into watching sitcoms. For whatever reason, he liked to watch late night television, which was never even anything that I even watched at that point. Mm. Now I'm just going into psychoanalysis. You should actually have a couch in here (laughs) 
for your guests and you should have like one moment where you do just have like the psychoanalysis and you can do your your best sort of armchair i'm not a freud gal so (laughs) i never agreed with fraser about that and i was a psych major for two years not to brag uh but oh interesting of course Ah. well you know i used to think that that was like a really special unique thing and then come to find out a lot of people start out as psych majors i don't necessarily know why did you have weird thoughts and you thought, if I study this, I'll know why I have these thoughts? That's I what mean, I always, that's my uh, like sort of stereotype of psych majors. Part of me thinks it was because like I was never a good student, but I would say I did take AP Psych uh, senior year of high school and it was the class I did the best in. I oh, thought, okay, okay, let's start here. And then the math and science part really bummed me out. That's why I had right. to get out of there. I'm not a math and science gal either. I wasn't either. I, I, I was good at it up until, I forget, I don't even remember what it's called anymore it wasn't trigonometry it's whatever the thing that you're learning in like calculus. 11th grade yeah i think it might have been calculus it was something where then i was like oh this all of a sudden stopped making sense but then i just took the regular non-honors class and was like this is a lot of fun because it was fairly psych easy at the time no no just uh oh. just math oh, just math. math we didn't have a psychology class in high school you i think that's maybe no that's maybe like a useful wow. thing we still had at least in middle school we had home ec but the teacher insisted on calling it human ecology because she thought home ec was like a weird sort of retrograde phrase. And then we had shop, which the shop teacher was fine calling shop. And then the rumor was he had served in Vietnam. And like, so people would try to get him to have flat. Like, it was a horrible, like, these were like horrible high school. I did oh not do God. any of that or Thank anything. Goodness. But uh, but these were, just, and then we had a music class and the teacher had to sing Everybody Wang Chung tonight. Because that was, this was in the early 90s again. I mean, I think the food, the home ec thing's interesting. Uh, my home ec was not called home ec. It was called foods. Foods, ah. as in, so there was like foods one, foods two, th- foods three, and foods four. And foods four was like the, the highest level you could get to. It was a whole con job, though, because foods four, they made, we were cooks, but we were providing a special service for the teachers where we would make them sandwiches <laughs> and they would order sandwiches and we would make them. And Weirdly, we didn't get paid. We didn't get paid for it. The class was always like right before lunch. <laughs> it was a really weird timing of everything. Well, I think the psychology class would be interesting and you could get people into it by showing Frasier. I'm just trying yeah. to get back to the Frasier. I'm worried that we'll oh, read comments good. and people will be like, why is this idiot? You had this jerk on and he's just talking about middle school. But again... <laughs> Going into a sort of psychoanalytical point of view, if I'm talking about Frasier and it's wrapped up in my adolescence and pre-adolescence, this would be a key part of it. And I, you know, I was about to start to make things up and say, I actually modeled my, you know, relationships with, you know, towards people on Frasier. But that's not the case or anything. Don't do that. No, exactly. Yeah, it's it's very funny to watch it because you are like, oh, you think when you think back on it, you're like, oh, right. He's like this very pretentious, you know, sophisticate who is, you know, into fine. Wa- but then you're like, oh, he's like constantly dating women. And he's he dates a lot yeah. of women. It's, I've, I have done a whole episode on this show about Frasier and the women. I think ah, it's actually okay. called that because it's he dates at least three models, which is, um, you know, it's funny. I mean, that's just sitcom world for you. Mm-hmm. It works out very well for the men. I will say that. Yes, yeah. But I think it was also, I think they were usually well-written characters or interesting characters. Or Lilith was always I funny when she would come back. And again, the, 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 the station manager character was a very fun, you know, funny, strong woman. Yeah. You know, it'd be great if somehow they get him back together in this possible revival. I'd love to mm-hmm. get her into the oh, mix. Oh, yeah. Um, so do you have a favorite character on Frasier? Uh, I would say 
Well, if I think back to middle school, I mean, I definitely loved Frasier. Sure. I mean, it, it's not Frasier without Frasier. I loved yeah. Niles. Yeah. Like, Niles is very funny. And he's watching some of the favorite. early episodes, well, he's like a f- wonderful physical comedian. Yeah. You watch it, if, if it's on mute, it's like watching mm-hmm. Buster Keaton or Harold Lloyd probably is more of a resemblance to you know if, if all of, i'm sure some of the fraser fans out there will also appreciate references to obscure Pratt. silent film star sure. harold lloyd with the glasses and he's falling off the clock he's holding on the 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 clock face the clock hands Hear that's that, like his famous i'm sure that many of you do know <laughs> i i do not okay okay i mean i have very a very random uh sort of back history of certain network tv and that has to everything to do with my mom because a lot of people i know that started watching fraser have the same story as you and i where it was like my mom was watching it or mm-hmm. my dad or an older relative like i oddly when i met john hodgman who was on this show um i always tend to impress people that are older than me by telling them i watched saint elsewhere because <laughs> my mom would tape it remember See, videotapes never... <laughs> that's those right. are all really retro nice. yeah I don't want to plug my show again, but there are some videotape references when the girl from The Ring is in therapy. Ooh. So she's there. Well, let me ask you uh, one more Frasier question. Well, th- it's it's all Frasier related. Oh, yeah. You'll see. Um, but I, I am curious. Uh, do you have – is there anyone in this possible revival for Frasier, any people, famous people, any actors that you think would be great guest actors? Well, I think you had a good point when you said that Stephen Colbert would have oh, always sure. been very funny to, you know, be on it, even just as another, I don't know if in the, any revival, if any of the pitches or what they're looking at, if he still has the radio show, maybe there's a little podcast character, I maybe there's a so. fan of Frasier's therapy advice podcast who's That's right. in it, yeah. you know, um, but uh, but having Colbert as, as another, um, you know, competing host or even just you know different not maybe not like bulldog but just some other radio show host that's dominating the ratings but i don't know that they'd be keeping with the radio well i like the idea of a radio arch nemesis because if i'm sure this won't surprise you i've talked about to other guests about what they think should be in this revival and none of us have spoken of a possible rival because he has a rival on the show not a radio rival named cam winston who lives in the apartment above him and he's this very handsome like also has a really beautiful voice I mean more I'd say better looking too no offense to Fraser Crane specifically but I think they cast this actor because he's like he he was black Fraser essentially he was like the same character he had the same apartment (laughs) and 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 it was and he was great uh but I think that Stephen Colbert would make a great great nemesis Mm -hmm. um but on on that note I do want to talk about uh your new show which I think has a great premise and also definitely ties back to Frasier because uh, it is about a therapist who sees monsters or you tell us about it. Oh, yeah. What thanks, is the thanks. premise? Well, so the idea is it's a therapist whose patients really are the horrifying monsters that they think they are because mm-hmm. they really are horrifying monsters. Right. And it's called You're Not a Monster. And the main character uh, is voiced by Eric Stone Street, who plays Cam on Modern Family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ended up inheriting the practice from his great-great-great-grandfather, who was a vampire and a therapist oh. who was retiring, and that's Kelsey Grammer. So there's a lot oh. of back and forth where as uh, Eric's character Max is struggling with how to help these monsters, um, Kelsey's character John Seward 
shows up to sort of give advice and occasionally it's good advice and in other points it's not good advice but either way he still thinks it's good advice because he is a you know i i he's not 100 percent at all based on fraser but obviously <laughs> if you're sort of writing a character like that and when kelsey sure. Grammer is voicing it you're mm -hmm. you're 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 going a little bit in that in that sort of direction and this will sure. be if you have any if there's any overlap of Frasier fans and Bram Stoker fans Ooh. the character is actually John Seward in Bram Stoker's original novel Dracula and in most of the adaptations there is a a psychiatrist who runs the asylum that Renfield is uh committed to and that character is John Seward. So in this, in my, there'll be a whole little bit of backstory where, oh, you find out, yeah, this is the character from Dracula. There's also one tiny bit of backstory that I don't think I've run this past uh, Kelsey yet, and I wouldn't necessarily put it in the show. Sure. Unless he was completely okay with the joke. But I wanted to have a reference where at some point John Seward, this is all taking place in New York, but he's talking about, oh, there were points in the past where he tried to hypnotize everybody around him uh, and just pass himself off as a normal human. Uh, and he did it, you know, he tried it once in Boston in the 80s and another time in Seattle's in, in the 90s. So the show is actually the uh, official uh, follow-up to Cheers and Frasier. In my mind. In your mind. But I don't think we can actually put that on the show without uh, getting everybody on board sure. with it. And or, it wouldn't be the actual thing, but it's just right. a quick little throwaway joke. I mean, we could also say that this is Fra Frank's opinion. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you can't get in trouble for that. No, exactly. You? you say, this was only endorsed by Frank. <laughs> Mr. Frank Lesser. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's a great premise. And so I'm, I'm very curious about like what inspired you to come up with this premise i mean did did you like animation growing up did you like horror growing up both well Where so that was from? when i was thinking when you were asking like oh how did you get into fraser i think it does sort of almost relate back to that maybe not in an actual conscious obvious clear intentional way on my part but i i was watching all of the uh, Disney after-school cartoons, I think I would get, like, uh, psychosomatic stomach aches and not go to school. I went to a the school I didn't really like up through about fifth grade. So I'd come home early from school, and I'd be able to catch the uh, gummy bears would start at 2.30. It's called the gummy bears? So there, <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised nobody's done anything. the Care Bears. There were the Care Bears, but that was more early 80s, not Disney, oh, I don't think. And then okay. the gummy bears were these bears that lived in, like, some medieval forest in vague Europe and they would uh, get the gummy berries that grew there and they turned into juice and then they would drink the juice and would kind of give them superpowers and they could bounce everywhere. Oh my god! I think that's why it's sort of like loosely based on actual gummy bears, the treats. What G-U-M-M-I. I think... G-U-M-M-I. It yeah. sounds European. Yeah, it might have been. I'm not sure oh if they had dubbed it over, but it was definitely released by, by Disney. It had a wonderful theme song oh, that you can wow. go on YouTube and listen to it in other weird, like not weird languages. I'm just insulting every language that's not English, but you can hear like the German version of it. Too. They're all, all yeah, language is weird. People are weird. I agree. But this was like a good show. And then right after it, um, DuckTales would be on and there'd be mm -hmm. all these other things. So I was watching those. And then I think as I sort of matured in my tastes a little bit or, you know, was watching more, you know, actual TV or things more for adults, one of the first things was Frasier. That mm -hmm. was one of the first definitely network sitcoms that I was sort of watching. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else. Oh, what I would do otherwise is you'd watch, you'd then turn on Nickelodeon, and then after about mm -hmm. 5 p.m. or so, Nick at Night would come on, right. and you'd watch. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I weirdly watched Mr. Ed 
and car 54 where are you and i think if i ever talk to people in like a nursing home i can really relate to them by being like what about that mr ed where they're trying to chase down a russian spy which actually was one of the plots of one of the mr eds so it was weird going from cartoons to very old sitcoms Mm -hmm. to what's now considered a more classic sitcom but at the time was like the show to be watching essentially. Mm-hmm. So watching Seinfeld, I remember watch I think I started watching Seinfeld around the second season before mm. it had really there was or maybe even the first when they were still moving it around a little bit. And then, you know, it really was must-see TV. Maybe you're not as familiar with that particular phrase, but it was oh, that was a wonderful period I'm, of time. We had to watch it. I don't think you remember what life was like in the 90s. It was I'm mandatory. Fam- right. No, I'm not going to pretend that I have a, 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 a you know I, yeah, I I definitely remember watching these shows as a kid because I didn't have cable, so th- hmm. this is what I watched. I did I did get to uh, to experience musty TV, but yeah, I would say I probably didn't understand just how popular it was. <laughs> Back right. then, well, if, you, if, you, if you don't have cable, every channel is must-see That's TV. That's right, exactly. There's really no other choice. And for me, it's the ones that come in the best. I mean, if, mm-hmm. you're, a, if you're a non-cable kid, you know that some channels didn't come in, including ABC. So I oh. wasn't as familiar with, what was it, TGIF? Right. I, I couldn't watch uh, Step by Step as I was never much. into TGIF. Step by Step I liked. Never liked Full House. I mean, I tried to, I also never watched Full House, so it's really weird when you go back and watch these revivals. Like, I started watching a new episode of Full House on Netflix, and it really felt like watching Adult Swim, because, like, <laughs> these these references meant nothing to me. And then mm-hmm. they'd get, like, a round of applause, and I, I was like, I, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. It just made me think of too many cooks. But anyway, right, right. Well, saying? I always wanted to do a show that was a revival of a fake sitcom that had never actually existed in the yeah. 80s or 90s. Right. I was going to call it, like, Old Glory Returns. It was going to be based on, like, a major dad type thing. I've soft-pitched it to a couple producers, but nobody seemed that interested so if any listeners want to steal this idea you can probably take that Mm -hmm. one i think that would be okay wait very quickly this is a complete side tangent but sort of related to shows from the 80s 90s early 2000s my favorite full house uh sort of story is the fact that the guy that created it bought the sharon tate murder house he's the owner and they they tore it down and they built a new house but that's the that's the person who owns that you know this is topical because of the tarantino film right now and everybody's interested in weird murderers these days it's true Um, i am and cults yeah it's like kind of an interesting thing i feel a little bad because i'm like i don't want to be the cool kid who was like i was into murders back in like murders back in middle school exactly and now all of a sudden (laughs) it's like this huge popular thing and all the weird goth kids have to be like, okay, whatever. I'm going to wear Dockers now. Maybe that would be the nice new trend, I guess. Well, I the cult thing is really interesting because I know that I have a fascination with cults. Oddly, I haven't seen almost any of these documentaries that have come out. Like I know one on Netflix came out that I can't remember the name of. Wild Wild Country? Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Um, it's a bad title. Good documentary. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll watch it one day, but I uh, I did a video uh, at when I worked at BuzzFeed. I, I produced some videos there, and my most popular video I did was called I Was in a Cult, and I interviewed uh, three former cult members. And this video, check it out. It's got over 3 million views on oh. YouTube. I, I don't fully understand what it is. Even I have a hard time explaining why I'm so fascinated. I think it's that I wonder if anyone could get me to join a cult. Or <laughs> sometimes I'm like, why hasn't anyone asked me to join a cult? And, oh, and really? I feel okay. a little left out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could ever 
fall into it necessarily. I think that's part of the interest, though, is that you and I think I think the real reason for the interest, and not to make this too political or anything, but I think in the Let's political climate, space everybody is like, oh, it's a insane cult. Like it has to be, and then you're wondering, like, and you know, if you see a charismatic figure, I'm not going to name names or anything, because I think the instant anybody hears that name, they either shut down emotionally or just are filled with rage. But when you see, you know, you have to be charismatic, but all you have to be able to do is dupe morons or desperately needy people. They might not all be stupid, but they're all looking for something. And that's interesting, but I feel like I'm not, I even, well, we've talked a little bit before we were recording, we were talking about working for politics or, you know, working in politics, doing any political things. And aside from writing on the Colbert Report, doing political satire, I've done some little things and shot some videos for Swing Left and worked on some different campaigns at different points, but I never get to such a point where I'm always like, yeah, that's a person who has some good views and maybe they're, oh, Obama is an inspirational speaker, but I'm never like, I love this man. <laughs> like, I just, maybe I'm too egotistical, but I don't think I I can love someone else what about that much and I don't I you know my fiance is probably listening to this and wondering what that means about our relationship Oof. and that's a separate thing entirely but you know it would be bad if it was a cult follower cult leader relationship but I just don't get how anyone could be that blinded or you know I'm like oh I like most Democrats and oh yeah I dislike you know certain other politicians but I people who are so blindly like oh, i'm a bernie fan or like i'm this or that like i just don't enjoy that sort of it's it's beyond celebrity worship it's actual worship essentially let me give you a separate example what about if you i mean i have all i have i have daydream fantasies all the time and it, it usually involves me meeting a celebrity today i was on the train and listeners i'm wearing one of my fraser shirts <laughs> i have multiples and I was imagining being on the train and hearing either Kelsey Graham or David Hyde Pierce say, hey, nice shirt. And then, because I knew I was on the way to see you, and I was like, oh, man, wouldn't it be great if, if one of them saw me in the shirt? And then I was like, hey, you know what? Guess who I'm about to interview? I guess I would only work with Kelsey. Yeah. And then we'd head on over together and surprise you. This also sounds like if you were a crazy celebrity stalker. That's true. Kilt fan, this would be like the, and then my J-Dream is I bring him to a basement, <laughs> which is kind of where we're recording this. Interview and they're like. Them. <laughs> they would never go, yeah, be like, Ask oh, come on my podcast, because they'd be like, I don't know that this woman has a Frasier-themed podcast. It's a Also, I got fully off track even why I even brought this up. I brought it up because I asked you. We were talking about cults. I feel as if there are probably celebrities, not anyone that could get me to join a cult, but like if somebody that I really really respected was like if i saw she i mean she's dead but b arthur b arthur's a woman <laughs> uh, if that if i had met her i would have immediately wept because mm -hmm. i love her so much but if if you saw like is there any celebrity they could be dead if, if, if you, like if b arthur if i saw her on the train she's a stranger she's like hey come get get, uh, ten, get a couple drinks with me i was gonna say yeah. 10 drinks but come get some <laughs> drinks with me i'd say yes frank i'm sorry but B. Arthur is here. She's dead, and she just asked me to go get a martini. Well, here's with her. the thing: if B. Arthur I showed up it. in 2019 and said, "Join my cult," I'd be like, "You've come back from the dead. You must be. It would be the second Sign coming. Yeah, you're the Messiah. Is uh, is B. Arthur? Yeah. I would be into that. I think. I thought she would invite you over for some cheesecake, and that would be like a Golden Girls theme cult called like Golden Human Humanity. Yeah. And then I would great. I would probably join that. Well, I would. I you know it worked for that Smallville actress. It was in that oh insane upstate cult. I tried to, I mean, I tried to follow up. I, I, it, it, yeah, I, I read some things and it, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, no. <sighs> well, it, one of the other heiresses 
who was in the cult was then working at this like vegan juice bar like three blocks from where I get coffee in the East Village. That was like in the New York Post. I was pitching a show with a friend about cults, uh, oh. a sitcom thing. But I think everybody's doing that again. It's a, Again, it's in the zeitgeist, essentially. One other side thing, though, speaking of David Hyde Pierce yes. and Kelsey Grammer. And yes, I've only actually met and worked with Kelsey, and he's a wonderful person and was a lot of fun to work with and did a bunch of, uh, was just like, so it, it it was fun with any, it's weird when you're working with any real professional actor right. and they just read the line and you're like, oh, yep, you, you got it. And every once in a while I'd be like, oh, could you do a, what, do this? And because I'm, I'm recording them and sure. sort of directing them. And then when I'm playing it back, I'm like, no, he, he, he kind of nailed it. it the first time. But I was at uh, one of my favorite coffee shops in the East Village and was sitting there. And this was, I had already written the show and we had recorded and Kelsey had recorded um, some of the initial lines and we'd done a little teaser and we had pitched it and it was sort of in a dormant phase I can I'd call it that and it's a show about the supernatural so it was it was dead but it came back to life is sort of how I've been viewing it in my mm -hmm. own head but um, at the time I thought well maybe we're not doing anything with it mm -hmm. uh, and I looked up and I was sitting by where the uh, milk and all the sugar and creamer mm -hmm. and everything is and David Hyde Pierce was there and he was pouring you know milk or something in his I didn't really look at exactly what it was I don't want any listeners to be like he is a vegan he doesn't <laughs> drink milk this story is made up you have a liar on your show he Anita. drinks liquids you he does drink liquids yes a liquid. and maybe he was putting sugar in it and I was like oh whoa but I I wasn't gonna say anything and if if the show had been going on and honestly if we do more of it which I really really hope to do more of it yeah. uh I would love to have <gasps> David Hyde Pierce on I don't uh. think we would do the sibling thing but if you think back to Dracula there were several people who in Bram Stoker's Dracula were hunting Dracula there was uh -huh. Arthur Holmwood I think is the I think that was the name of the British Lord because they were all uh, according. This is I'm never <laughs> going to fact check this. I'm just if you want to do a Bram Stoker podcast, I would love to be a, a guest on that as well. I'll let you know if that happens. But uh, but well, the other interesting thing was Kelsey Grammer had talked about. Oh, he had a, he had read Dracula years ago and everything, and so enjoyed that sort of fact. When uh, you know, I I think he read the script and I didn't specifically call out like nobody's going to see John Seward. You mean the John Seward from Bram Stoker's Dracula? So nobody really gets that that's maybe a thing for for really uh a really deep cut but i think kelsey appreciated when i when i mentioned that he was like oh that was sort of interesting sure um but uh yeah i, I would you know otherwise if there's a reason to say something to somebody maybe you could say that but it's, if i see if i see david hyde pierce again i will tell him about the the podcast i mean i will say that i'm not a person who uh bothers celebrities however I would like to think, I think that I, if, if I saw either one of them, I, I think I have something to contribute, which is that I have this podcast now. Could it scare them away? Sure it could. <laughs> and I think the number one thing um, that I've learned is that it doesn't help to start the conversation by saying, I'm not crazy. <laughs> so I wouldn't do that. Right. You have to start by talking about St. Elsewhere. Right. Exactly. Yes. But that might be a weird, like, yeah. oh my God, uh, celebrity who I really like, uh, <laughs> You're you're of an age. Would you, have you ever watched Saint Elsewhere? Oh, I never. God. I never watched Saint. I never watched that. I would. Uh, I'd go to my aunt's and in syndication, I would watch Taxi, which oh, was sure. a great, a really good show. Heard that, of it? Yeah. If, if you watch it, it's pretty solid. Danny DeVito's first uh, big thing. I learned a lot about it because I went to see. Uh, there's now or what at the time, uh, like a few months ago, 
uh, there were new episodes of Inside the Actor Studio being taped, ah. and and they were having a series of people host, not James Lipton, and one of those people was Kelsey Grammer. So I went with my friend who uh, went to the New School or Pace because they get first dibs on these t- on these tapings. So he interviewed uh, James. Oh my God. James like Burrows? one, yeah, of, the, one of the creators it was James okay Burrows. yeah and we and they talked about taxi at length and Frasier and okay. friends and Will and didn't Grace he, didn't I because I feel like directed. that's why I was gonna say I thought some of the creators of taxi went on to create cheers yes and then obviously the Frasier spinoff from all of that yeah oh Kelsey would be an amazing host of inside the actor series because oh, yeah. he has that he was, voice he was the whole voice like that's what's so incredible about I think all of his performances and it's sort of, and I think it's, you know, I mean, it's not how he speaks in real life, but he was born in like the Bahamas, I think. So I think he does. He has a literal mid-Atlantic accent. Yeah. That whole like Cary Grant, it's like, no, he has the <laughs> accent you have growing up in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, I think that's what's so great. Like I was, you know, I, I tend to just rewatch the same shows over and over because I don't like to... I feel like new shows for me, especially because you can binge watch them now, they're like drugs in that like, I'll give you an example. I've been watching Fear the Walking Dead and it is very difficult for me to take a show I've never seen and just watch one episode and move on Mm -hmm. with my life. So then I end up staying up till one o'clock in the morning watching this show about zombies as opposed to like Seinfeld. I'm like, I know this episode in and out. I can go on with my life. I can be half listening to Mm -hmm. it. But I will say there's, there's one crossover thing that I think about with George Costanza and Fraser Crane, who I who are both very iconic characters, is that they both don't sound the same in real life. But even the way they speak on both shows, G- George with the with his New York accent and Fraser's mid Atlantic trans Atlantic accent, it's just one specific thing that sounds different. Which for me is just the way he like says the like the uh, the letter R. Like he just talks like a normal person in real life, and it's always very jarring. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like with Frasier, <laughs> he'd be like, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a word now, but I feel like everything sounds just slightly British. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he, and when, when he's Frasier. By the way, I want to go back and re-record and say transatlantic because I think I kept saying mid-Atlantic, you which did. You is just like a Philly Delaware accent, but the transatlantic accent. The transatlantic. Which is, uh, so mid-Atlantic delightful. is like Wisconsin. No, I think that's no. Midwestern. Oops. Okay. Mid-Atlantic would be, I think, like the Eastern Seaboard, essentially. Oh. Like maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm from I Ohio. See, well, I don't know. What's for me, Mid-Atlantic stuff. it's amazing how many words I say without knowing what they mean. Like I say transatlantic <laughs> because I looked it up. And that's ah. how I learned about transatlantic. But yeah. I'm like, I don't know what transatlantic means. Yeah. Something yeah. about the Atlantic Ocean. Well, that's the thing. That's, I think, what I learned the most from watching Frasier was my love of saying big words that make me sound sophisticated right. and smart, but that I don't always want. Actually, that's, not in... that's actually not the case. The worst thing is from having studied vocabulary in high school in preparation for, you know, we in English class, they would, we would have to learn different vocabulary words. And then at some point, as your brain gets older and works less and less, I'm just going to say good, less well, less but good. Uh, uh, less goodly. Uh, you end up um, at points you're like, oh, I want to say that somebody was very talkative, but my brain can't think of the simple word talkative. And you're like, they it's were difficult. quite loquacious. Ooh. And then you're like, why did I? But it's like, oh, no, I'm actually dumb. I couldn't think of like the simpler word because uh, age related. But that's a good cover up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then you seem very sophisticated. Well, one thing I do want to go on the re- with with the with uh, Kelsey's character. Yes. 
He's a Victorian gentleman who was a vampire. So, of course, he's speaking in a little more of an old-fashioned way. And it also was, I was very impressed that, oh, Kelsey pronounced everything exactly right off the bat, even if there was like a mm -hmm. sort of fake French word, not fake, but like a French word to make it seem even even more uh, impressive. And mm -hmm. so that was that was sort of a nice fun. I'm like, oh, I, I was, it was also very intimidating so intimidating to sit there and be directing imagine. or work at recording Kelsey Grammer, who is not only Fraser Crane but Sideshow Bob, yeah. who has done one of the is one of the funniest animated characters I think on The Simpsons. Or and if it's mm -hmm. one of the funniest characters on The Simpsons, it's one of the funniest animated characters ever. But the the uh, Cape Fear episode of Simpsons, The Simpsons, which I had never even seen, or I think at the time I watched it, which again was probably around this time, middle school. Oh, so that was the thing. I think I was a big Simpsons fan. That was probably the first adult show that I sort of watched, and then sort of moved into adult actual live action shows like mm -hmm. Seinfeld, uh, Frasier, Friends, and all of those things. Um, but that 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 particular episode, that character was so hilariously funny to me, I think. There's just something about... But I think it wasn't... I, I did listen to um, the John Hodgman podcast mm -hmm. that you had there, and I think there was, there was something that I did respond to with what you were both talking about there, where I think if you are... And I can, you know, if you're a pretentious middle schooler, well, you know, that was when I was most pretentious, I think, when I was like, I middle think I'm intellectual. Yeah. Really and then I, I was very serious and <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, not evil, but I just was like a nerd and I, I had a lot sometimes, of, I yeah. Say. I'm not saying you were me. <laughs> I'm saying I didn't do a lot in middle school. Like I didn't do any, a lot of after school, after school activities. There is overlap, by the way. There will be a future episode. I've done a spreadsheet and asked uh, multiple Frasier fans what we all have in common. And I'm sure it would not surprise you to know a lot of us were indoor kids. <laughs> Some of us were bullied. Oh, really? uh, and uh, in my case, I definitely, uh, one of my favorite things to do was watch reruns of Frasier and eat my favorite snack, which was uh, various deli meats rolled up. <laughs> and I would put like cheese in them, so it was like oh. a meat taco. That sounds disgusting. No, that's like but very really paleo. Good. That seems like Thank you very. So much. Uh, you were like ahead of the time. You Thank know. you. You were very mature. Yeah. Well, uh, that's so. I just wanted to give. I, you're telling me the kind of middle schooler you were, but I, I would say there is some overlap. But continue. Oh, okay. Well, no, and I, I think I did some extracurriculars, but I didn't really play sports or anything particularly. Right. I have no siblings, so you know. Oh, me neither. Really? Only oh. child club. Is that a common thing for Fraser there fans? There have been actually? some. Yes, there have been. There has been overlap. There had there the highest. Well, I don't want to give anything away about the results, but I will just say there was definitely more than one only child ah, in the okay. mix. I okay. would say. But yes, I am an only. Well, child. I think that could also be why you would be more interested or seemingly more adult like again not that not that I was a very mature 13 year old I'm just saying like mentally I thought I was very mature sure. I was wrong that's where the pretentious aspect mm. sort of comes mm -hmm. in but I think that was then one of the appeals of watching Frasier was seeing oh this isn't someone who's you know you're not watching sports or anything it's right. not and you know Cheers had everything but you're not you know I wouldn't have identified necessarily with Sam Malone no. a former baseball player uh, definitely in middle school, not a womanizer, That's not what... really aware of what to do yeah. I tried with to, any of that. I did try to watch Cheers. I think I know I missed the boat. Like, you know, some of the stuff that I watch, Friends is a great example. Friends is something like I don't think I could get into now. It definitely has not stood the test of time uh, in, in many <laughs> ways. But I, I watch it all the time because I watched the show growing up. So there's this nostalgic element for me. But I have tried to watch Cheers. Multiple times, I watched the pilot. I recognize it was well written. Yeah, 
but none of the characters for me felt particularly relatable. And and Frasier and many of the characters on that show, but probably specifically Niles and Frasier are these characters that I would think somebody who do- didn't necessarily blend into school would fit in with because mm-hmm. they just feel like aliens or they feel like ghosts from the past <laughs> and somehow have this like very like, you know, a uh, very opposite father who is a cop and it mm-hmm. just it's very interesting to me well i think it was a more natural character relationships and dynamics that you would see right. in fraser and i mean you know and you would have oh even like the caregiver daphne is there and she becomes yeah. like part of the family cheers was always interesting i again i was too young to really see it when it was originally on i think i'd watched some of the later episodes and i went back and watched the started watching the first season um, on Netflix. And again, the pilot is legitimately one of the best written pilots I'd ever seen. Before I saw it, I did read that in uh, Tina Fey's autobiography. She mentions how it's just so well-structured. And you watch mm-hmm. it and you're like, oh, okay, I know exactly who these people are, what the main relationship dynamic is going to be, what's going on and everything. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's a more... Um, or just... It's, it's a slightly less realistic character interactions like you're like oh and even as an adult i don't i've never had a regular bar i'll go to a few different ones and never have one place that i just go nobody knows my name there now coffee shops people do know my name again maybe subconsciously this is all due to watching (laughs) yeah people want to call me that i guess i'm okay with it uh but um but like a coffee shop where you go you need to do work that's where i'll write or whatever Maybe that has something to do with Frasier. I mean, actually, you know, I did when I was in Seattle. I went to that bookstore, the Elliott Bay Bookstore, and down to the coffee shop that supposedly at least had inspired uh, the coffee shop that they would always go to, Cafe Nervosa. Right, right. Um, but with, but with, so with Cheers watching it, you're like, oh, it, it really works well as a sitcom, but I never really saw that level of camaraderie going to a bar. There is something a little sad about it, which I think the show addresses a little bit. It's also like the greatest theme song. That's also the most depressing, saddest sounding theme song to a sitcom that you could ever imagine. I recommend that everybody go and listen. The writers wrote multiple verses. There were alternate lyrics. I'm not sure if they were all recorded, but there are like several other things leading in that's going like when you're jo- when you're really sad and your job is sucks Ugh. and you want to go where everybody knows your name and you're just like what? and that was by the way i apologize to all the listeners who had to hear my horrible rendition of the cheers theme song but it's a very funny theme it's similar to like the theme song for mash which i guess was from the movie and the lyrics the title is suicide is painless oh god and suicide is painless and i'm not making this up it sounds like a weird owl version except like it's like depressed it's depressed al eh. wrote alternate lyrics to a theme song and it became suicide is painless i'll stick with fraser but um i have two really important yeah. questions for you uh which i think combine some of all of the things we've been talking about so um i think what's great about uh, an animated show is just the level of freedom you have as in you know you've got talking bats mm-hmm. and mummies i think and the girl from the there's ring. one mummy there's yeah. one mummy one mummy and the girl from the ring so uh and i have some examples for you of for my question what kind of shenanigans do you think the cast of fraser would get into if it was an animated show so oh. i have 
just for inspiration. Um, I do think a, a supernatural element would work. Um, I think the idea of ghosts haunting Fraser's apartment uh, <laughs> is is doable, and I think it could be really fun. And then I was thinking about Scooby Doo mm -hmm. um, because uh, at some point during uh, the show, Martin purchases a Winnebago, like a one of those big camp oh, like van yeah, driving yeah, things. Yeah. And there have been more. There's been more than one episode where the gang uh, gets gets in the the bus or the whatever it's called the Winnebago uh, for adventures. But I definitely could see them solving uh, uh, mysteries. Yeah, uh, and, and involving uh, uh, talking animals. Uh, and I, well, I, Eddie would talk. Eddie would be Eddie Snoopy. Would you do like a Snoopy episode that's referencing, or uh, not Snoopy? Oh my God, Scooby, that's the Scooby, <laughs> Scooby Doo. This is the age-related mental decline that I'm not that old. <laughs> mental decline. That's I've right. I've had a lot of coffee to help. Starts for this. early, folks. But um, um but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Scooby Doo. I think you would do one 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 episode where it was all that. You even got Daphne. Yeah. I mean, I, except I think Daphne. No, wait. Would no Roz would probably be Daphne, and Daphne would be Velma. De oh, oh. Right? I was getting so confused. That's confusing because I was at thinking first. Of Daphne Moon. I was no. That's what I'm saying. Right. Daphne Moon. I think would be more the Velma oh, character. Oh, right, 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 right. Interesting. And then Fraser would I? No, I guess Martin would have to be Fred. I this think, is all really. I think they'd be their obscure. own versions of characters. And now that I'm thinking, I'm thinking everyone could be just slightly heightened, like Daphne, because she's psychic. That means I could see her being a witch on the show. Ooh, I mean, on yeah. the animated version. Well, actually, if I do uh, the witch character, I I, I want to ask uh, Tracy Grandstaff, who is the voice of Daria, to come on to do uh, the witch character. I think that would just Ooh. be an amazing sort of thing. And I had worked with her when she was doing promo stuff at Comedy Central. Oh, cool. uh, very quickly, if we were, if Frasier was going to be animated or was going to go off into supernatural elements, either way, this could have been a live action one. I think there would have been a good one where Frasier is trying to de debunk a medium or a psychic, Ooh, okay. and they go to a seance, and he's clearly aware that he's going to you know totally tear apart all of the things he's going to pull like a james randy and prove that it's a hoax and then like a bunch of the the medium is speaking to the spirit of his mother probably you know and like Hester. and you know something and you know or or some ancestor and like weird things are sort of happening and then you find out at the end oh martin actually fed some of the info but then there's some weird twist and oh maybe it was all real like that would be a great episode they could also do like i i loved uh, in the final season of uh, broad city they did a fully animated episode when abby and alana took mushrooms oh. there like there are already some things that happened on fraser that i think would just be great animated like there is an episode where uh, martin accidentally i believe eats a pot brownie and he's oh. he was really good at being fake stone yeah i was very impressed i was gonna I could say have seen hallucinations i think it should be an animated. episode where fraser and niles get like a brand of super expensive fancy coffee the kind that passes through the digestive system of a civet or whatever there's that the most expensive coffee in the Ooh. world and they drink it, but it's it, it, it was a bad batch or something. Oh and then God. they go off into the Halluc psychedelic hallucination. It. And it still all is taking place in the, you know, wherever it was. This would be, I love that you're writing the fan fiction for yeah. the older series and everything. I could write this. I mean, there's, a, well, because I'd like to think, you know, do I do I dream of, of joining this writing cast? Of course I do. I've had people <laughs> on this show that I know have been contenders uh, to, uh, to, to write for the show, at least one person. Um, so I'll get to live out this fan fantasy through somebody else. But there is an episode where Frasier has a dream, like a near sex dream uh, about um, somebody from the radio station, uh, Gil. And then it ends with uh, 
uh, Freud coming in and getting into bed with <laughs> Frasier and then it ends there. But anyway, I think if he went on a psychedelic trip, uh, Freud would definitely show up. Yeah. Animated Frasier, um, uh, yeah, I think it could have a second life. If I, I would fully approve of the revival being animated. Because there's mm-hmm. actually, uh, I thought, it's very interesting. So there's a show, um, a Canadian show called uh, Trailer Park Boys. Have you ever heard of that show? I've heard of it, yeah. It is so interesting because, like, I, I started watching it when it was still just, like, it, somehow I was watching episodes of it, uh, even though it's it's in Canada or the show is Canadian. But then they started doing original sh- uh, episodes with Netflix. And then now they have an animated series on Netflix oh, of Trailer okay. Park Boys, but I believe it's them when they're like kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I think that would be an interesting way to do it because then you don't have to. Well, then if you wanted to, the continuing adventures of, of Fraser Crane, which I think from the Ooh. stuff I've read, with the, from the stuff that I've read, I think the idea that I think Kelsey has sort of talked about is, oh, they want to reinvent the show entirely. They don't want it to just be sort of the same right. reboots the way other, like just like Frasier was not a continuation of Cheers. I think the third one would. You would see it as like, oh, Cheer- Frasier was the parent show, but this is sort of a different spinoff. But if they wanted to go the direction where, oh, we're just going back in time, and it's it's sort of like Star Trek did a weird animated series in I think either the, the late mm. 70s or the 80s where, oh, you it's the same actor. Man, that might not have even been the same actors, but you can have them still voice all the same characters. But then you have yet another animated show where it's just normal humans in a normal building so you don't you know you're not using the medium of animation as as well as you could necessarily i'm thinking maybe just go completely off the rails like i i had a great time uh when um john hodgman did the the live episode i got to write three different versions of fraser but like combined with different shows and my favorite one i did was um kind of like a space version of fraser so (laughs) I, I and there's actually I sh- I, sh- I should send it to you if you're interested but they did for some show like some award show they did a sketch the cast of Frasier but pretending that they were um in like uh, on Star Trek and they were oh, like really yeah okay. like, in the ship and they had the outfits on and it was great but here here's a new fresh idea I feel like I get inspired by every guest I have on here I'm thinking a young Sheldon but it's young Frasier <gasps> no. and it's in space <laughs> and it's animated wait I last night I was thinking of I was like oh what would and I literally wrote down oh you know what would be interesting is if the spinoff was the young Sheldon version of Frasier and it, what my thought on that was that you could actually do it as the live action series and the framing device Kelsey Grammer's still there I wasn't going to actually necessarily mention it because halfway i'm like oh, i should pitch this to tom russo kelsey's producer well but um you've got you've got proof <laughs> that you came up with it but no but this show. but this was going to be uh there'd be the framing device and it's fraser talking about his childhood with his own therapist oh. and saying like oh had these issues and you know it doesn't have to be serialized but then it would flash back to fraser at various points in his mm-hmm. as a kid as an adolescence and then a young martin crane mm-hmm. as a beat cop and then my joke thing that i was like oh, but he's tracking a serial killer <laughs> Oh. We don't do that at all. I, but that would but I'm just like that would be very funny. That would be the real big twist. So it's Mind Hunter but with Frasier. I have so many iterations. Uh I had one I made a fake poster on Twitter somewhere that is uh essentially like a gritty crime drama that is starring <laughs> like 
young Martin Crane, uh, and of course Hester's in the mix as well, his wife, because they met, uh, I don't know if she was a cop, but I remember on Frasier he said they met over the chalk outline of a body. So I believe <laughs> she, I don't know if she was like a forensics, like I think she might have been a psychologist. I don't oh, fully okay. remember, but I, I could see some romance she- blossoming. Yeah, I think that would be uh, that would be fascinating. That would be a very interesting show. I think you, it still obviously has to be a comedy. It would be very weird if they did a spinoff or a prequel that was not a comedy. But I would love to see a comedy about like a beat. I mean, it would be almost Brooklyn Nine Nine right. crossed with Mindhunter, crossed with Frasier. But the other thing I was thinking when you were talking about the animation. A cool, funny spinoff would be you would still use the framing device. It would start out with, like, clips from the original series. You'd use the audio. But then it's called Eddie's World. And then the dog (gasps) runs off, and you're seeing all of his adventures in the dog park, doing other things, talking to other people. Exactly. Oh, my. That's really smart. That's the one you should pitch. (laughs) Eddie's World? I'm so into that. Um, A a similar question. Um, So uh, I... In terms of there are certain people, and I'd say Kelsey Grammer falls into this category, who have really great voices Mm -hmm. for animation. So um, dead or alive, um, who do you think would be uh, somebody who has been underused or hasn't been used? Who would be a good cartoon voice? I have some examples to inspire you or just because I wanted to write these down. Um, I think uh, Catherine Hepburn would have been great as a talking black hole. Um, uh, Jimmy Stewart as the moon, just a talking moon. Uh, and I think Kristen Chenoweth, who's alive and she has like a very (laughs) cheerful voice could be a good talking sunflower. I also, I also am obsessed with, um, inanimate objects that talk. I mean, I don't know if that's a real thing, but it's just something I think about inanimate objects. What would they sound like? Well, no, that's in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. Would you, how would you recast Beauty and the Beast? Oh boy! Man. I mean, with the, just the talking objects, though, because they, you know, they did it in the movie version. You've I don't want to lose, Emma pro- you know, people here, but like, I have never been a Disney fan, and I think that that <laughs> oh, really? comes from me having a low tolerance for like really sad stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really, as even as a child, like m- those movies bummed me out so hard. Like The Lion King, and the, the, she's trapped in Beauty and the Beast. Probably my favorite part of Beauty and the Beast was Angela Lansbury as that teacup. Wasn't she a teacup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's I, liked, quite good. I liked her. Ooh, you know another really good pilot that mm-hmm. I weirdly was watching recently? Murder, She Wrote. I'm it's gonna, a solid pilot. I'm going to get into Murder, She Wrote next. Okay. I think, Do they have any podcasts called Murder, She Podcasted? Or is that the idea of the reboot of Murder, She Wrote? Let's see what happens when you it's type It's got to be. Murder, I haven't Googled it. She, I'm doing it right now. Murder, She Podcast. Uh, it, there's one called Murder She Podcast, the f- and then it's <laughs> the first Murder She Wrote podcast. Oh, okay. So okay. sorry. I just wanted it to be the reboot of uh, Murder She Wrote, I essentially. But I think that could also be. I'm sure. Were there any murder mystery episodes of Frasier? Uh, yes. One okay. Of, there was a well. It was a murder. There was there was a ham radio, which was uh, Frazier got everyone from the radio station to uh, do a like radio mystery show, ah, um, which of okay. course goes wrong, and it's very funny if you couldn't guess. And then separately, there's an episode where they play a murder mystery game, and somebody dies in real life. Okay. It's funny okay. though. It's not. Yeah, dark. yeah. It's funny. No, that's what I was sort of thinking yeah. that there'd be something where they'd go to do a weekend of a murder mystery type thing. Yeah, yeah. Would yeah. be delight, and then Martin's the detective, so of course. you'd want to sort of see that. Right. But back to my question: Is yes. there anyone that you can think of, dead or alive, or or even just people that you're like, I'd love to have in the future 
for oh, my new definitely. show. Well, I would love to have Gilbert Gottfried. Ooh. I think he has such an amazing voice. Yeah. But um, but uh, you know, would love to have him. With Richard Kind has a very good voice. Who Richard was Ira Kind. from Mad About You? Oh, I'll save that for my. the uh, Mad About You <gasps> podcast called like. I love talking about Mad About You. Pod About You. Tell me why. <laughs> um, great, great song. I like to sing it when I'm in the mm-hmm. mood from time to time. But Richard Kind is great. Yeah. He was on, um, I liked him on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. He plays yeah. Uh, Larry's cousin. Oh, well, Larry great. David should probably voice an animated oh, character. Yeah. <laughs> it would be amazing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, the fun thing, the thing that was so wonderful about doing You're Not a Monster was I was actually able to get a lot of really great voice actors to do it, like Aparna Nancharla. Has an amazing voice. She's Absolutely. and she's so funny and just a her. delightful person, yeah. just in general. And was 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 just great working with her. And Patton Oswalt was doing a voice. Amy Sedaris, Ellie Kemper, Ellie Kemper, yeah. yeah. Oh, and she's great. She's mm-hmm. actually playing one. Well, I don't want to give a twist away. Mm. Second season, there might be some sort of twist, but she Ooh. is just another human therapist. Okay. There is another twist at the end of the first season. Oh my this God. is going to sound really great to people who are like, I've not seen any of it, but you should all check it out. It's on. It's when, at IMDb. When does it premiere? Uh, or is that? We'll have to tr- we don't, we don't first know. or second week of October. First I can, or second week of October. I can update. I'll send you an, a, an audio file of when we have the exact date. It's It partially is dependent on some sponsorship stuff. Sure. Um, Sometime uh, in... October. In October. Right. And actually, I would say another person who had a great voice was Amber Ruffin, who uh, appears on uh, Seth Meyers. Yeah, yeah. And she's voicing a mermaid character and a gremlin oh, cool. in the show. And I mean, just so, and actually, Langston Kerman, who's another up and coming stand up yeah. comic, did this. Am- actually, I was having him voice one or two characters, and one of the characters was the dentist who's in the office next door. We don't really get into it here, but he starts to get suspicious of all of these weird patients that keep going into the therapist's office. And at one point, he's possessed by a demon, and I was going to try to get someone else to do the demon voice. And Langston was like, "Oh, you know, I, you know, I, I like have something." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, we can record it." And he did like one of the lines, and I'm like, "Okay, uh, we're just going to record you as the demon." It's such a good demon voice, and that's hard to do. I was trying to do it. I can't and- do it. Demon it's thing. like it hurts your throat yeah. it's it's really difficult so it was already and you know i again joel kim booster adam pally is I just a adam really pally. funny like performer and his voice works so well in animation so already i'm like oh this was a delightful thing we got to work with all these really great talented people peter gross uh, who I had worked with on the Colbert Report, and mm-hmm. he's one of the Sonic guys. He's been in a bunch of movies and TV things. He's did a bunch of really great voices, like Freddy Krueger, Hannibal Lecter. I had emailed him to ask him to do it, and I was like, will you be my Harry Shearer? Ooh. And he was like, yes, I would love to. Nice. And actually, Harry Shearer, I would love to have Harry. Sh- I don't. I think the Simpsons people maybe have, maybe contractually are not able to do other animated voices, but Harry Shearer was the voice of TV Land, for a two or three, at least a year or two, where they have somebody who's doing all the vocal stuff. We're like, up next, uh, you know, uh, you know, the Brady Bunch. It's the one where Marsha gets her face hit by a football or something. I didn't ever really watch the Brady Bunch. It was too saccharine and, and popular. But my first job in New York was as a PA at TV Land. And I got to write some of the promos. I would, they, they, you know, I, I, that was sort of what I ended up sort of doing. And mm-hmm. You know, we're, we have Harry Shearer doing it, so I'm like, well, let me give him some voices to do. So it was some weird, dumb Christmas theme. They were showing all the holiday episodes, and it was like, the sh- I think I called it the shows of Christmas past, and then he was supposed to voice Jacob Marley's ghost. It was way too many levels deep for, like, a commercial on Nick, Nick at Night 
or TV land telling you what to watch next. But I think Harry Shearer enjoyed that. Oh, I get to do an actual voice. So he's, Ooh, I'm a ghost. Oh, don't make the same mistakes I made. And I'm like, this is great. I think he just liked that my name was Frank Lesser because there's the composer named oh. Frank Lesser who wrote Baby It's Cold Outside. Oh, Not my fault. Oh, that, you didn't do that. No, don't. exactly. That's good. Just be defensive <laughs> about it. I would be. Exactly. Um, okay, so those are all the... Okay, so you would love to have Harry Shearer. Yeah. Um, you know who is great and uh i uh, here i'll plug an old web series that i did that was called questionable drawings it was uh, a my damn channel which is like mm. a comedy channel that i worked for a long time ago but i did a series where i would an quote unquote animate uh using a whiteboard and i would either do stop motion or speed it up and i would ask comedians weird questions so i had uh, one of my favorites was josh rubin I don't know if you're familiar oh, with him. Okay. Josh Rubin, he's like a director and an actor, and he did some of the best uh, imitations I've ever heard. He does a really good uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, which, by the way, oh. I got him to do before he passed away. But nevertheless, oh, he does a good John Mayer, too. Um, but anyway, yeah, I feel like uh, it's very exciting because you've got this animated show. You could you could really have the sky's the limit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also want to mention Milana Vaintrub did a voice, which was really great. Um, she's been on a couple different things. She was the AT&T spokesperson for Ooh. a while. Um, no, let me see. I mean, and I'm friends with other comics that I... I mean, there are a bunch of... I have a ton of people that I would love to to work with how about with any voices. How about a dead person? Dead person. Like a well, dream. Vincent Price would have been ideal. Yeah. Somebody doing... Uh, or even just doing a Vincent Price impression... Um, I think Gilbert Gottfried could do a great Humphrey Bogart. Ooh, okay. But maybe it's also just like a visual resemblance. Oh, At one point Bogart. years ago, I was like, oh, I wanted to do like a Casablanca film, but with Gilbert Gottfried in the Humphrey Bogart role and would set it in like Iraq or Afghanistan <laughs> and no one would want to, nobody would you watch like, this necessarily. You like to add a nice dark twist. Exactly. Well, it would be like a modern day version of it. Um, I, oh, and Christopher Walken would be amazing. Oh, I would think Christopher yeah. Walken would be a good moon voice. But then there are certain people that their voices are sort of so iconic that so many people do the impressions of right. them. So, uh, so you don't necessarily, like, you know, you that's the. You don't need them. Yeah. Or Clint <laughs> Eastwood is another person who was very popular to do impressions of. All right. Yeah, you don't need him for this. You could get somebody yeah, to do it. Or you I probably so. know somebody that can do a Jimmy Stewart impression. Or maybe that's just yeah. my dream. Um, d is there anything you wanted? I was going to um, throw to you if you want to plug. So I, can... I probably was already doing it filtered right. in throughout. But, um, well, I mean, the other thing, I mean, I, I think I was also partially inspired to write the show to come up with the You're Not a Monster show. Like, I had written a collection of short humor called Sad Monsters, uh, growling on the outside, crying on the inside. That was about all of just a bunch of different monsters who were sad and what their issues were and everything. And I had a little preface that said there was a uh, vampire Sigmund Freud was writing. And there was a little little quote from him that sometimes a stake is just a stake, essentially. <laughs> and so this show isn't directly based on that or anything, but I was sort of more me assessing, like, well, what, how should I have written that, essentially? And I was like, oh, it would be better if there's a human therapist who's doing all these things. And I think subconsciously, again, I was heavily influenced by Frasier. And when you think That's of good. any shows that are... Uh, about therapy and I had watched it as a kid I only was really re-watching a lot of it after I'd already written everything and I'm like oh that's kind of similar to this scene where John flies in as a bat and kicks out his great-great-grandson's patient because his his problems are bigger and then I'm watching an episode of Frasier where I'm like oh Frasier runs into Niles's practice mm -hmm. and kicks out the the 
the patient. And I'm like, okay, I probably saw that as a kid and subconsciously was reusing that. Um, but when I wrote it, I was actually, I had a different idea that I was actually working on that I had Kelsey Grammer in mind for, wrote this script thinking it was going to be live action and sent it to my manager. And he just, I was just like, Hey, what's, what are your thoughts? And it was, I thought it was a rough draft. And he's like, Oh, I, Hey, I uh, sent this to Kelsey Grammer's people. What do you, what do you think about Kelsey, uh, as John? And I'm like, Okay, that would be perfect. But you know, I thought it was. I don't think he was gonna put on vampire makeup. And then my manager's like, I mean, it's animated, right? And I'm like, yeah, it probably makes more sense as that. And actually, now with what we do in the shadows, you wouldn't want to have another live action sort of monster thing necessarily. And that I haven't seen the series yet, but the movie is hilarious. I absolutely love that movie. I I did see the movie. Now you've really taught me something important here, which is I don't know how anything works. I was picturing. You like in a detective show with photos and headshots of people that you love and being like, all right, now who am I going to get to play this bat? Let's, uh, oh, Kelsey Grammer. Yes. Let me just develop this photo and put it up on the wall. I had no idea that it didn't work. No, no. And just so you know, he's uh, usually a vampire. He's usually in his vampire. He occasionally turns into the bat. Oh, okay. At different points. Thank but, you for um, clarifying. Exactly. If people want, and, it, and he doesn't look, actually he very, and he's one of the producers of the show. He very specifically had said he didn't want the character to look too much like himself, to mm-hmm. look too much like Frasier or Sideshow Bob. I think what he liked, what he had said he had liked about Sideshow Bob was that, oh, it doesn't look like him. It's not right. really modeled on him or anything. And actually, when he had first read the script, his producer, Tom Russo, had told me that, oh, he really liked the script, but he, he was a, initially a little hesitant because, you know, he was like, well, you know, I don't know if I want to play another, you know, therapist mm-hmm. again. And then his producer was like, no, 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 he's retired. And then he was like, oh, okay, that's, I'm okay with that. But I'm also like, and he's a vampire. <laughs> that to me would be the bigger difference between this character and Frasier, unless this is Kelsey admitting that part of Frasier's secret backstory is he's a vampire. vampire. This could be breaking news oh. for the I'm Listening podcast right now. I, I agree. There's yeah. another premise. Now he's immortal. <laughs> we we come flash forward. We find, or maybe it's a. How did what is Frasier now? He's immortal because he was turned into a vampire in the last however long the show has been off the air. Exactly, exactly. I think you can go anywhere that you want, sort of with it. But you would want to see all the other characters in it. Yeah. You want to know what what ends up happening with Roz and sure. and Niles and all of those. And I I just want to say I do not feel that this is typecasting at all. I know that I mean Kelsey, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, to my <laughs> podcast and have been the entire time uh to me it's it's more of like i'm i think this is a character that is really perfect for him to play because for me when i think of kelsey Grammer, even when he plays himself on 30 rock there's just (laughs) like the fact that he has this like classical acting background training is something he brings to all of his roles and so i think that's perfect for this character yeah oh thank you thanks well well and that's the thing and he is a victorian gentleman it has that sort of old-fashioned thing but also like you know in the victorian your your views on dating would be completely different so he's coming to terms with oh well what do people in the 21st century how do they view everything and it's it's just so perfect for all of that oh and one thing i will say so i i am on twitter Oh, I tweet occasionally. I had initially started it because I was like, oh, I'll promote my book. So my Twitter name is Sad Monsters. And I was, I think I about a month before my book came out in 2011, I'm like, I'll get on Twitter and I'll probably have, I'll have like 5,000 followers in like, you know, a couple weeks. And a couple weeks passed and I was, had maybe 
200 or 300 but slowly over the last eight years i'm up a little bit more but unfortunately i uh, too many and i write jokes but they're i force myself uh, at least generally once a day but a lot of them are just political because it's all you can think about <laughs> or they're about batman everyone should follow you especially if they want to know uh, when the show is coming out. exactly yeah i will definitely be posting about the show a little bit well and one thing that i've found interesting i would occasionally try to write jokes i don't think i love just writing jokes for the sake sure. of there being a joke i prefer if it is tied to a bigger story or a character or something so i it, it's an interesting thing but a lot of comedy i would rather with my spare time i joined twitter so i could let people know about the the things that I'm doing, like, oh, I'm writing this thing, and then you spend so much time on Twitter, you're not doing those other things no. that you wanted to be able to tell people about. So, but yeah, thank you for, thanks for following me. Frank, thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. Uh, really looking forward to your new show, and follow Frank on Twitter. Until next time, good night, Seattle. Tune in for a new episode of I'm Listening on October 29th, where my guest will be Jesse McLaren. AKA Mick Jesse on Twitter. <laughs>